This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to Monday.com. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by McDelivery, bringing you the food you love. McDelivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door. No matter the results, you'll always be winning with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app and you'll get rewards points delivered too. So that ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via app at participating restaurants. 18 plus rewards registration required. Points only on menu items, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Good morning. This is Talking Devils, your favourite Manchester United podcast. I'm your host, Wayne Barton, joined as always by the legendary former Manchester United fullback and central defender as well. We'll be covering that um, subject in this podcast, uh, Paul Parker, uh, to talk over um, a fairly better week at Manchester United, although the events leading up to Saturday were anything but good. Um, how, how have you been, Paul? You all right? Yeah, yeah, I'm fine. Thank you, Wayne. Fine, thank you. Good stuff. Um, if you're watching, please like and subscribe on YouTube. If you're watching live on YouTube or Facebook, feel free to get your questions in. And um, you know, if you're listening back on the audio podcast, please be sure to um, subscribe on that platform as well and, and review us. Um, getting nice reviews and nice figures. Last week, um, Misery loved company, Paul. Uh, we recorded our highest figures for the podcast, but I think people just wanted to listen to um, the, the sort of breakdown after that Liverpool game. And um, no, obviously we're going to talk about the Spurs win, but let's talk about that, um, the build-up to that. Because, I mean, it looked for a minute like Oli was going to get sacked. Um, the club were briefing very early on that they weren't going to do that and they were going to stick with him. Um, I, I guess we'll talk about the long-term effects of that in a while, but... Um, in terms of it being a difficult week, it was probably, I mean, the most turbulent since Mourinho was sacked, really, wasn't it? Yeah, it was. I think when you're looking at it, it was it was at that stage. Maybe even, maybe worse to a point because of the situation of um, the performance, the goals conceded, yeah. and who it was. Yeah. That, that's when you put that all together. It was it was really bad in the short space of time, and it's still not over because I don't, I don't think you can forget about anything like that. One, to be honest, and regardless of my opinion, the the result um, and what they got out of it. Yes, it was what they got. You know, to get something back after what happened last week is a massive plus, but it still can't be forgotten. You know that that can't be changed. You know because of that performance against Liverpool and. And to be perfectly honest, we have to say is that you know, United scored three goals up against a dire Tottenham. I don't mean dire about the individual player called that. I just meant the team, you know, were dire. It was the worst Tottenham side I've seen. Well, I was about to say in a long, long time, but they were they were terrible under Mourinho as well. But they 
that was terrible. That was a terrible performance by Tottenham. It lacked everything and <clears throat> everything you'd want from your team, which is effort. Yeah. One of those things is effort. But, you know, at the end of the day, United, the most important because the three at the back meant that the bonus was if United were to score one and win one nil, they'd have accepted it all day long because they weren't they 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 didn't concede. Because when you concede five goals or a lot of goals in the game, the priority the priority next game is not to concede. Mm-hmm. And only set set up and try in doing that, a lot of people will come out and say, Oh, it, that might be a way to go now for it to back, but no, that's that's not it's never been Manchester United's way to play for it to back. Everyone would talk about look at look what you've got out of Ronaldo, look what you've got out of Cavani, yes. But you can play those two with a four at the back. It's just about them the manager being braver in the middle, really, to yeah. be perfect honest, and finding the right players to play in the middle. And the two in the middle are still not right. <clears throat> not not right in a million years because United, if you're gonna play with a three at the back or five across midfield, whatever you want to say, you've got to be able to retain the ball. Yeah, and they they couldn't retain the ball up against a poor team. Yeah, well, let's get into the game. I mean, um, I think you're right in terms of sustainability, and again, that's something we'll talk about how, how, how good this is for the long term. But the the two things you were saying, and, and you often do after United um, lose a game or suffer a bad result, you talk about result and performance. Both were important for United um, on Saturday. Um, yeah, I don't think it was great. But it was a response. You could see that there was a response there from the players. Um, Oli also had a, a response with the, the changes of system and everything like that. Um, <coughs> there was probably that element of protection. Well, not even probably. You could see that with the shape of the side. Um, surprising to me that he didn't drop any of the um, defensive players. But um, I do wonder if that's sort of like a byproduct of the fact that the faith was put into Oli. So he was like, you've been given another chance. I'm going to give you another chance. And we know that he's someone who does that. Um, but either way, they, they were fine. They were fine on Saturday. Again, helped by a pretty poor Spurs display. Um, like you said, it had to be said. But um, in terms of the result and the performance, well, we definitely got the result because it was 3-0. The performance, yeah, I don't think anyone's going to be talking about that as um, a scintillating United performance for, for years to come. But in terms of what they needed to deliver on the day, Paul, um, I think it was probably about as emphatic as it could have been, really. Yeah. Yeah, to be perfect. I think the, sc- <clears throat> the scoreline was was about right. I don't think it could have been any more because it wasn't that good a performance. But you look at the, the goals they scored and you look how those goals were made as well. And there was, you know, the build-up for the second one you know, was brilliant, involving those three key players. If Manchester United go forward as an attacking unit, then... You know, the three players you want involved are those three, to be perfectly honest, because you don't get much better than what, you know, United haven't got anything better than that at this moment in time. So it was good. They were, you know, clinical in what they'd done. I mean, when that game kicked off, I was doing the game and it was hard work, hard hard work to talk about it because there just there was nothing really there to really, you know, to grab hold of. I do wonder as well. I look at the three at the back and I think to myself, did he, has he done that as a warm-up towards... Atalanta, but maybe more importantly, he, he, he looks at he looks at City and he thinks about that's what he's always you know it's worked against City. The only problem with that though is that City haven't got a centre forward. 
someone who's outright centre forward. Nor did Tottenham, by the way. But the difference is, is that City have got better footballers than Harry Kane, yeah. as such. Because Harry Kane was dropping off, and a lot of it was him trying to maybe find a new role, or just to the fact he just doesn't care about football at the moment in time. But they weren't tested as a free defensively. It was quite easy. Is the manager playing the free to keep them all happy, to fit them all in, or is it there as a fact that that's the way he wants to go and play in those three all together? I think when you look at it as well, you look at in wing-back areas, I think Wan-Bissaka done okay. He was definitely had more touches of the ball in that game than what he's had in the, in, the, in maybe his previous games. Yeah. But um, is, he in a, is he a natural wing-back? I think the answer to that is no. Luke Shaw is definitely not a natural wing-back. In that sense, I think his energy levels can't play that, play in that role. Yeah. And the one thing I will say, again, I'll say it, that if you're going to play that system, you have to have the book. That's the system where I think a Paul Pogba has to play in it. If you're yeah, going to, if you you know, if you're going to play the McFred scenario, then you're going to need a footballer in there. You do, but the problem is you can have you can have one footballer in there, and then obviously, but then you're going to be lacking, really and very not enough of them to keep the ball, and that's yeah. and that's one of the reasons behind that system, Wayne, is that you keep the ball. You're either in there to stop a team, break down a team, or you or you got that kind of system to make sure that when you get the ball, you get a lot of players around the ball to keep the ball. And there was neither there to be honest. They didn't really have a lot to fight against in midfield because they had no energy. When you look at the energy come from Tottenham's right back in Emerson Royale, he was he was their outlet. He was the only bit of energy. And you have to you know you ask questions. They took off their best player as such. A, one of their best players in Lucas Mora. Yeah. The crowd, the crowd just, you know, let it be known they wasn't happy. If you was going to take a player off, and then maybe now if you're um, if you're Nuno and you're sitting there now knowing that your job's gone, you'd be saying to yourself, "I should have taken off Harry Kane." That's yeah, what I should that, have done. Nuno sacked, by the way. That's what Paul is referring to. He's, he's lost his job. That Spurs announced that just before we came on air. You talked about the shape of the team, Paul, and, and what it was there to do. It was obviously a pragmatic, safety-first kind of thing, and, and in that respect, it worked. But in terms of taking the game to Spurs, that's where the value of the experience came in with, um, obviously, Fernandez creating. But then you had to basically have Ronaldo and Cavani saying, on the scraps that you're going to get, you're going to need to be clinical. And that's the value, really. I mean, you've got to give credit to Ollie for picking those players because, I mean, there's a tough selection. He's got like six or seven forwards to pick. He went for the two most experienced and it paid dividends. I mean, Ronaldo's goal was magnificent, obviously. And then the, the work that Ronaldo and Cavani did um, and, and Fernandez for in the build-up for the Cavani one. But it was more to do with, I mean, the finishes aside, which were good, was the, the key thing that you see in the build-up is that both of the forwards, I mean, in the first and second goals, Ronaldo and Cavani are both offside to start with, and then they track back on and then break the offside trap again, which I don't think the other forwards have the experience or in-game intelligence. So it really was um, a good sort of nod to Ollie's selection that, that both forwards scored in the way that they did because it showed the value of that experience and it sort of um, justified why he went for it. Yeah, I mean, yeah, without a doubt, and if we look at it now, I think Pogba's available now, isn't he? Is it a one yeah. game he got? <clears throat> he's got a one game, so he's available. If he's going to play that system again, 
he's got to leave out at least one of McTominay and Fred. Can, can we just jump into that one um, before we, before we let's just talk about McTominay and Fred for a moment? Did we, what, what did you think of McTominay's performance? I actually have got it in my notes as one of his best games for the club, and I'm just be interested to know what your thoughts are on that. I couldn't judge him. I don't want to judge him up against a poor team. Honestly, yeah. really, it was a very very poor team he was up against. A poor poor Spurs team. Individually. Yeah. They should have been a lot better than what they were. But I think at the end of the day, normally they throw this up the same, but those players just weren't playing. They just had no interest in playing. So I yeah. don't really want to go down that line. You could come out and say it, but I think there might be more games where he's had to work harder and might have been better. I've been looking at the McTominay thing and like I look obviously you watch the game and you evaluate it yourself and I was looking at it and thinking, oh well, I, I think he's done quite well. But then when I was looking on online, I mean it was quite a polarizing thing. A lot of people were saying it was quite poor. And um obviously that I think that's where we are at the moment, is that and that might be reflective of the fact that Spurs were quite um I don't want to say easy, because I mean for the up until we scored the second goal, they were at least game. I don't think they were brilliant, and they were poor, but they gave us a game, especially in the first half. Um, it had to be earned to win, but they, you know, they obviously sort of folded in the second. Um, but yeah, I, I, I share your opinion on the fact that we probably need a, a, another midfielder in there. I mean, Matic could possibly do that if he's got the now he's got the legs of the defenders behind him. Do you know yeah, what I mean, I mean you, you could, yeah, you can definitely put a Matic in there if he's got that bit around him and there's more players. There's more players around Matic. He, he he keeps the ball so much better, but he needs numbers around him. You look at him, if you was maybe to put Matic in, in, into a Man City midfield, you'll find that it would hardly give the ball around, give the ball away because yeah. of the way they play, because they're working more just as hard with the ball as they are without the ball, City. That's, that's yeah. why they are what they are at this moment in time. You know, the better sides play like that. United have no, haven't really got a decent energy level at this moment in time. And you, and Wayne, you think about the great United teams that have gone on and won Premier Leagues and more. You think about the energy level of those teams. You think about how they played and they went up and back <clears throat> all together. And that's because, yes, the manager might be demanding, but the players did that because the players wanted to and needed to for them to get the best out of each other. So you would you didn't leave anybody on their own. At this moment in time, there isn't that that isn't there at the end. There was two teams who never closed down. They just there was the game after 10 minutes was so open. There was nothing happening in the first 10 minutes or so. It was two you know two scared teams. But the difference was there was one of them that had that little bit more and maybe given a little bit more for their manager than the other. Yeah. Um, and they, they were just lacking and lacking. And United were very, in a certain way, could have got caught up in a team of playing against a poor team because sometimes you get dragged down to a level. And they was on the verge of being dragged down to a level. Now, if um, if, it, if it hadn't been the ring rusty Cavani, there was two golden opportunities for him with headers, which yeah. normally, at the worst, he would have hit the target. But yeah. neither of them, and you saw him after, if you'd watched him after, when the camera panned in on him, you could see he was so annoyed at himself because for him, they were relatively easy. For many strikers, they were difficult, but for him, they were easy because he scored so many goals like that, so many <coughs> goals with his head like that. He's, you know, he's really good at that. And 
he didn't do it. So if one of them had gone in earlier in the game, then the rock would have set in a lot earlier for Spurs than when it did. Yeah. Um, so let's get on to the system. A lot of comments that we've had on on the um, in in the build up to the, recording this. So a lot of questions about the the system, and even Ben asking genuine question: Why did um, United sign Sancho? Let, let's tie into this entire thing, then Paul, because the shape of the team. Um, was obviously it's a short-term thing. It's not a, a solution for the long term because of the players that United have got. It's just simple, unless you're going to start retraining players into being wing backs, and that's not going to happen. Those players are forward players, and and the the wide forward players, and a solution has got to is got to be found. But in terms of the needs must aspects of it, you said. Atalanta, they'll probably use it for that. City, they'll probably use it for that. But Chelsea coming up, you would have thought. Arsenal, they might even use it for that. So it's a system that they're going to use possibly up, up until the turn of the year um, to try and navigate these just sort of choppy waters. But how does it affect, you know, I mean, Lee asked on, on the, um, before before we came on to recording, Lee asked how the new formation affects the pr- future progression of Rashford, Martial, Sancho and Greenwood. Pete Summers asked, if we stick with three five two, which players are going to benefit and which will be negatively impacted? Should we bring back Laird from Swansea to play at the right wing back? And um, obviously Ben's asking about Sancho as well. Mm-hmm. In making the change, even though it was necessary and it had it's yielded the positive result, Oli has put himself in a situation where he's got to answer these questions, right? Yeah, he has done. Just on the subject of Laird, I was down. At, I don't know. I've done, just done a game for Talk Sport recently. I've done the Swansea v West Brom game, so I went down and saw him play. Um, he's not a wing-back. He's a full-back. Yeah. You know, he, get, he gets forward well, but he gets forward from the play being in front of him. It's a different position being a wing-back. And you saw, I think, Juan Pesaka, um kind of enjoyed that bit because he used to be a winger. Yeah. Strangely enough, you know, you just look at your hat. But he was a winger, so it didn't phase him just to be that little bit there. You see when players and look at their play and he gets up and back. And But he, he's one of them who comes from behind the play and plays that way. No different to Luke Shaw. Luke Shaw's like that. Luke Shaw struggled because yeah. the thinking of going forward and then he sees that distance going back and that bothers him. Yeah. It might be a short distance, but running back towards your own goal does, does affect you in your head a little bit. It's not the same as when you're... You prosper more running forward and towards the goal because the benefits everything are higher than running back because it's negative running back towards your own goal. That means you're having to work harder because you haven't got the ball. But um, I don't think it's kind of you know led. I don't know. I don't see that one at the moment. He's still learning the game at the moment and he's doing quite well. Swans have gone have really kicked on in the last few weeks. But I look at the um what he wants to play that system. I looked and I thought to myself that game going on. He made the substitution. I thought to myself. Why is he bringing on Rashford? Why doesn't he give Sancho a run in a good moment for Manchester United? Two new up, in control of the ball. <clears throat> Took him a while, but I think a lot of that was down to Spurs. Had really, you know, definitely ha- handed their tools over to someone else. They just, you know, wasn't there. Plenty of space. Teams, teams prospering. Everyone's in a high. Put him on. Just put him on. And he did. He did. He didn't do it. Mm. He didn't do it. He, I just and he brings on Rashford, and I don't know why he keeps doing that. So as far as I'm concerned, I'm looking at it, 
and he's he's changed to a different <coughs> system, but it seems like he's going to still roll out the same players. In the, you know, in the other day, a lot of players, as, may, as you mentioned earlier, through someone said you, a few, few players are going to prosper, but maybe less players are actually going to find it even more difficult to get game time by playing this system. Because it seems like it might be enlightening to maybe get a few more who he wants into there. Um, I think at the moment, you look at the game against Atalanta, they need to win the game, in my opinion. Coming back of a point may not be enough when you think he's still got to go to Villarreal. So he's going to want to win it. He's going to have to start with Ronaldo. I think he has to start with Cavani because Cavani now needs games. He doesn't need resting. I think he needs to get on a run, a run to get his get himself blown, get himself right. Um, so um, he needs to play him. So in theory, then there's no starting berth for a, for a Rashford or for a Mason Greenwood. A Mason Greenwood is the one I would say who doesn't deserve to be sitting down on the bench. Mm. So it'd be interesting what happens on Wednesday on Wednesday, Tuesday or Wednesday, I don't know when the game is. Wednesday. Who's, who, Wednesday, who is he going to play? Oh, he, you know, maybe it's Tuesday, 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 sorry. It's Tuesday, yeah. Who is, yeah. He, who is he going to play? That's the thing. You know, he's got a Pogba who's available and there's a Mason Greenwood who doesn't deserve to be sitting out. There's still a Sancho who needs a run of games now, the lads. Otherwise, yeah. he's gonna, Oli's going to lose him, you know, and it might, he might have lost him already, given everything. Ollie's desperate. He knows himself. If he gets beaten, it's all going to start again, especially leading up to a, the City game as well. Yeah. Let, let me come into that then, because, I mean, obviously, obviously that um, changing system was... Um, it was... De- no, I don't want to say desperation, but it was an emergency situation. He's gone in there, he's gone, all right, things are desperate enough to change this to a formation that's safety first now what happens if we lose what does he do then do you know what i mean he's put himself in a really difficult situation like that oh he, he certainly has and could he go to that could he decide that he, he might be saying he might decide to maybe to play sancho as a wing back and look at him for the, what he can do going forward the problem is that sancho i don't know if he was a player who tracked back a lot in Jer- you know, when he played and played at Dortmund. I don't know whether or not he was told he didn't have to track back and he went to a certain distance. But then you might be asking questions of other sides and saying, well, if you're going to go forward, I'm going to stay here. What are you going to do next? So it does open up. It, it makes it... every When you play that system, every game's different because it all depends how teams set up against you. Atalanta would have seen them do that. They would have been now. They all under. They were looking at it now and saying, "Right now, we've got to find a way to exploit the back three. You know, on the the left hand side of the defence, there's a there's a lack of pace. You know, there's a lack of communication. So it's a problem on that left hand side, which never got tested. So you know, and I think everybody, even my um son, who's sitting there, is going. You know, he's telling me about. You know, Ollie's got this thing over over Man City, you know, and, oh, Man City, got, you know, they lost to Palace and it's all favouring out. You know, I think we have to say is that, you know, great win. Um, need, the win was needed. It had to be positive, everything about it, and it was positive. Tottenham generally over the years, it's been a glamour game for many, many years. But Manchester United have gone in. Go, they always go to White Hart Lane or the new White Hart Lane, whatever you want to call it. 
and always get a former result <coughs> in certain ways. But this City game, I think people have got to stop taking it for granted and keep there's a lot of people out there saying, oh, he's got something over Pep, he can beat Pep. Because Manchester United are not just about beating, you know, Man City mm-hmm. or the fact of beating Liverpool. They're important games to win. But off the back of those games, they're the games that, you know, if you take points off of them, they push you towards winning Premier League titles or league titles, I should say. That's what yeah. they do. At this moment in time, that Man City game cannot be used or be said, oh, it could be the game that says Oli's losing his job because he's beaten Pep and Manchester City. Because it's the other games that have been the massive problems. They're the ones that people aren't talking about at the moment because that Liverpool game is sticking in people's head, heads more. You know, yeah. the, the, the Everton at home and Leicester were, were, you know, were the ones that warmed up, warmed up the seat for that Liverpool yeah. result and performance. No, absolutely. And I'm with you on that. But you've also got this situation now where because we've won and the club didn't sack him after Liverpool, I'd love to get your thought on this. This is the consequential conversation from this is, do the club now or do the owners now have a responsibility to stick by him at least until the end of the season? Because what I mean is, you can't show him faith after that result and then stick the knife in after another one. Don't get me wrong, obviously it's going to depend on what happens on a game-by-game basis and we could in, be looking at two 5-0 defeats in a week and saying that that's enough. But you know what I'm saying with this. They've backed him after a result like that and they've got to give him then the time to turn around. We talked last week and probably the week before is that Oli has been one of the, the big things that he's done, Oli, is turning around bad runs of form. Now, this looked like one too far because it was a massively damaging result but they have shown faith in him. He's it, going to look really bad on the owners. And, you know, this is the changeover from Ed Woodward, isn't he? He's going to be leaving his job soon. What do they do in this situation? Do, have they now got a responsibility to back him until the end of the season, considering what they've done in the last week? Yes. Yeah, I think in a way you look at it that way, there'll be a lot of people who wouldn't <laughs> be happy with that because I think we know it's going to it'll get to a point again because that's the way life is, that's the way football definitely is, yeah. that everyone's going to be going, had the opportunity then to go and do something and didn't take the opportunity. The one yeah. thing that will happen now is I'm, because I think a few people are seeing me keep looking away a little bit, and it's nothing to do with you, Wayne, at all, because I, you know, nothing wrong with looking at you, I promise you. But <laughs> I'm looking at, and I'm looking at the, um, the Spurs situation going at the moment there, and they keep throwing up, as they do, they're throwing things into the melting pot, they keep throwing up flashes, of Conte. Yeah. You know, I know that Spurs talked to Conte before, I think Nuno could have been fourth, fifth, sixth choice, I don't know, but they did speak to him and he never materialised. Now, they might have to go back. It might cost them a little bit more, but I think they might go back and do that and I think you know what comes with Conte, you know the issues that go with him, but you know what the, the benefits are as well. Now, if they jump in there and they go and get that done, and things start going wrong with with United and with Oli, then there's going to be a lot of disgruntled fans saying there was a window of opportunity there which wouldn't, which wasn't taken. People talk yeah. about that with Pochettino at a certain time. They're, you know? they're already saying it, yeah. No, you're, yeah. Exactly, they're already saying it. And, and there's a lot of and a lot of people out there, and these, I mean, my opinion, narrow-minded football fans who 
talk about and go, oh, we didn't want Pochettino because he doesn't, he hasn't won anything. Well, I mean, I think you look at the way Spurs was playing under him, and you think of Spurs stature to Manchester United and what's available at Manchester United, and you think yourself what he done for Spurs those those years playing away at Wembley Stadium, two seasons at Wembley Stadium, and then into the next stadium, three, you know, qualifying for the Champions League, playing away from home all the time. In yeah. theory, you know, isn't bad. You know, yeah. and they had a good run in the Champions League. So he's he deemed as kind of up and coming, youthful. Is everything about him is correct for Manchester United. The, the only thing that the people look at there, oh, he hasn't won a trophy. You know, someone, you know, there's only so many trophies you can win mm. at this moment in time, and only two of them you can win, which people give you respect for. The others, the moment you get knocked out of it, everyone says they're rubbish. That's the way it goes. So I, I look at someone like Pochettino, someone who you could build maybe at the back of him and. For me, and watching the way Spurs were playing under him and everything that was up against him, and when I say what was up against him, he worked for Daniel Levy. So that is something, that's incredible, you know, hardship, to be honest, to achieve what he achieved. He couldn't have achieved it any harder, in a harder yeah. place than what he did at Tottenham with Daniel Levy as his chairman. So he's done really well to achieve that. I don't think he's enjoying it, his football as much as he used to at the moment out there in France. And then could do with Neymar in your team anyway. But yeah. um, missing out on Conte, which is going to be talked about now, it's going to be pushed now by that lot on the TV. They're going to be forcing it down everyone's throat. And it, it, it's going to, it is going to be, that's, that's going to be the issue that will go against, you know, Ollie at this moment. That's, that's what's going to be thrown up in his face all the time. So it's difficult, it's going to be difficult times from now until the end, end of the season because United are going to, win games and they're going to lose games and every time they lose a game we're going to regurgitate yeah. everything and it's and it's painful to yeah. be perfectly honest absolutely painful no it is and the other thing is that um i, I don't know if it's a good thing like like you said for, for sure if conte goes to spurs or if he goes anywhere that um if he does or doesn't the spectre of that is going to linger over every negative result or every setback or every win that's not won in the right way now. Because that's the standard that Ollie's on, uh, under at the moment, the pressure that he's under, because and, and rightly so, by the way. I'm not I'm not avoiding that. I just look at the since we qualified for the Champions League under Ollie in the middle of last season, and this is the, the sort of pandemic season, and we finished, um, you know, we qualified the, that game against Leicester, and then they started talking about all this forward planning, and then the transfer window was so shambolic. You know, that, like, disastrous last day where they brought in, like, ten, not disastrous in terms of players, but disastrous in terms of you've just been pretending to us for 18 months that you, you've been planning for all this time, and then all of a sudden you bring in four or five players that... Two of them have barely played, Diallo and Palestre. They've gone out um, and they've put a big investment in those players. Van der Beek's barely played, but he was at least signed earlier in the window. But that shows no forward planning because you wouldn't have signed a player to sit around and do nothing. Cavani was available for months before you signed him for free. Tellez has probably been the biggest success, but mostly because of what he did for sure, rather than anything. That he, no, I say Cavani's been the biggest success, but I'm talking about the, it's varying degrees. But the point is that they, there wasn't any forward planning. It doesn't matter what they said about, oh, we're planning for the future. 
in those signings, you could tell that there wasn't any forward planning because they were all signed at the last minute with like varying degrees of emergency. And the more the more that this has gone on, the longer that this has gone on, you could tell, all right, that if you said that the club have backed Ollie now after the Liverpool game, everything else becomes a, a knock-on question. You're looking at what's happening. You're looking at this Conte situation. If they're monitoring that, if that was a knee-jerk reaction, if they're looking at it and thinking we've got to pull the bull, uh, pull the trigger on Solskjaer. And I, I worry about stuff like that. And I, there's a part of me that thinks that maybe it's for the best if Conte goes to Spurs because then you're suddenly looking long-term. You know, they, they're forced to look long-term and say, all right, if Ollie goes, then we need a long-term plan and don't just go for the man who everyone's talking about at the moment. Can you remember... It might have been two years ago now, or it might have even been a year ago when um it might have even been a year ago actually. The one where everyone was saying Zidane was in the stands with Evra and he was gonna come over and take over. Do you know what I mean? But there was such a short term reaction to maybe the the six one against Spurs. And I just I wonder if the Conte move to, to another club is for the better for United because it will force them to think longer term. Um, I don't know. I, the the other point is why Ollie's talking about it being a bad moment, but why should it be this bad when he's had three years in the job? You know, these are problems that are created by the dy- dynamic that he's created, isn't it? Really, so it's on him to resolve it quickly. <coughs> you know. It's... Yeah, I just I look at that, and you know, you're absolutely spot on with that one. <clears throat> we just, you know, it needs maybe Ollie does need to get on with it. I still think he needs to be maybe a dynamic in what he does and look for help on the sideline yeah. I really do feel he needs someone there who is we can use the word fit and able to actually to help him yeah. somebody who I think is just going to go go there and it's going to grab the players the players are going to go wow I think there's a there is a wow factor now with coaches who come along they've got reputations and everything everyone knows their names now you know, before, who was that? Who's that person who works with Alex Ferguson? Everyone would have not known about it. But now yeah. everyone's got a general idea. And I think I'm looking at it and he needs, and I think he needs help. I just yeah. think you need someone who he can communicate with, um, someone who's who's got an idea, who's going to have the respect to the players, who's got a stature, yeah. to be no, perfect. It's, you it's know, I think, well, yeah, yeah, but I think it's just as much as everyone sees about Ollie and whatever, he hasn't got that, not being disrespectful, yeah. he hasn't got that stature that the boss used to get off the bench. And if anybody could have actually had anything, or if there had been like a thing up on one of the, you know, on the, score, on the scoreboard or something, of players' heartbeats, they would have mm. seen a change in players' heartbeats, not for the fact of the running, the work they're doing, they would have seen it every time the boss got off the bench, they could see it, and they were just... Oh my God! What what you do? What we doing? We doing something wrong, right? And there was always that edge when the boss came to the to the front of it, you know. Mm. And that was a you just knew then that he's he's coming to get something across. He didn't he didn't pass it on to kiddo or anything like that. He wanted to say it himself. And to be honest, you'd rather it come from kiddo <clears throat> rather than from the boss. And Ollie hasn't got that because he hasn't he didn't start his managing that way. He's only done that. This season, there was yeah. all during that lockdown period where he could have gone and done it and should have gone and done it, but he was. It started off with <clears throat> um, Kieran, I think his name is, and Michael Carrick. They constantly were there all the time. Those two going, 
Oli never done it. And then the moment when he had that bad, hit a bad patch, they stopped doing it. Yeah. And, but, and, and then all of a sudden, they don't do it as much now. Oli started doing it this season. I think it's like near on three years too late. Should have been from day one. Have the presence early. Set your stall out how you're going to be so players will understand that when you're stepping there, stepped up there, you've come in there to say something because you want to be constructive, but you're, you're being ruthless about it. The players need to know the reason why you're there. <clears throat> and I think you can see it sometimes and you don't want to look at other managers and say that's the right way to do it. But you look at the teams that are going in the right direction at this moment in time, because every team has a little bit of a moment, as we see in Chelsea, which they've just got back on, on online again. We've seen with City and we've seen with Liverpool, but their managers have got a presence on the touchline. Mm. And other managers have got presence. Arteta has a presence on the touchline in, in what he does. You know, so there's something you've got to look at. And you think to yourself, that's not, that's, you know, that does work. There's something there that works. And he, he, hasn't, he hasn't got that, to be perfectly honest. Hasn't got it because he hasn't gone and delivered it. Look at David Moyes at West Ham. You know, yeah. he, you know, he's there now, David, David Moyes. <clears throat> he's there with them. Some, play, some players need it. Some players need to see him there for assurances. For him, even sometimes to go, like, like my cousin's playing there at the moment, Ben, and I'm sure in his last four games he's played, every time in that bit he's there and David Moyes is next to him. David Moyes is helping him, encouraging him. You don't ever see David Moyes shouting at him. You'll see when the ball comes sometimes, David Moyes gets the ball and he's holding it. And as he's holding it, about to throw it to him, he's talking to him. Certain players need that little bit of help. Even the likes of maybe a Jared Bowen, you know, season before he was a championship player. Players yeah. like Antonio mostly needs it. So that's, that's what it's about. Does Mason Greenwood need that sometimes, young boy? Just to his manager, just while the game's going on, well done. So well done, but, you know, just maybe next time, just, you know, that, you know, rather than waiting until doing it before and at half time, maybe during the game. I don't know. But certain players need little bits, like a lot of players, you need to get the finger in the face and you need to shout at them. Not every single player, but individual players, they need it. And that's, and that's what it's about, really. And football now is so much more about man management now, individually, more so than what it was during my time where you can go at a player collectively. With everyone there, you'd go out and you root out a couple of what you say you're doing it. The difference was then you would normally turn around and you would turn around and say, right, I'm going to shove this right back where the sun doesn't shine. And as I said before, then the manager would come along after the game and he would let you know that you've done great. Yeah. But players um, now, a lot of them hide now. They, you do that to them and they'll go missing because they won't deal with that anymore. But I think Oli has to... Get, try and get a presence off the bench now. Yeah, I think and that's one of the things that he's kind of got to do himself as well. Like, like I said, probably the, the horse has bolted in terms of... like Ben's mentioned Renny Morenstein in the comments, and we talked about him before, but I don't even think when he was at Fer with Fergie, he was never the kind of guy who would have done that. So, it's, yeah, it's all part of everything that's involved in Ollie's job at the moment to sort of... Um, change things really it's going to be changed a little bit to to be more productive um a couple of questions before we move on to previewing the um the forthcoming games dan asked about the 352 and but i think we've covered that earlier on now too we talked about it at length so sorry if we didn't cover everything in that one dan um mike pierre asks about the 
Uh, Mikey <laughs> comments on Harry Maguire. Um, he says the, he actually refers to it as the mocking of Harry Maguire um, and the emotionless. I, I'm sure that you've seen the clip of Roy, what, he, what he said, except it's been everywhere. Um, and you've spoken before about his captaincy and that you're not completely convinced by him. But what did you make of the way that Roy went in? In terms of the substance in what he said, I think he was bang on. But in terms of the way that he was delivered, probably a little bit over the line, even for Roy. Um, it could be, but it's Roy, and it's the way Roy's been. It was what Roy was as a player. Roy was Roy was like that in the dressing room. Yeah. He was like it. He was like it at, at the training ground. If he had a beef and something that he saw, and he he could hold an incredible man span. Roy's got and he holds everything in and bang it's out. Um, he'd be like it socially, and that's him. And he's not normally wrong. To be fair, when he's saying it will, yeah. it will hurt a lot of people, and if people don't like him, they will turn around and, and that's wrong. But I think if people who know Roy or people who have listened to what he says, he's generally right, and and what he says, I I get and I I agree, I agree. And so I agree with what he said. Harry Harry Maguire is not a captain. He, he's not a captain. He needs to be led, in my yeah. opinion. He he's not he's not a leader of men. Um, every, everything he's just he just doesn't fit it, and I was I was as shocked as maybe a lot of people when he was made captain. I, I, after a few months, you know, I think that that was very um, disrespectful as far as I was concerned to players who've been there longer, and maybe because he was in that situation, <clears throat> Oli, that with that with David de Gea situation that time, he, he wasn't sure or he hadn't made his mind up, I should say. And that's maybe why I gave it to him. But he's not the ideal person, just by the way he carries himself on the pitch and some of the things he's done. And I won't say too much, but there's a lot which I don't like about his game. It's very, um, very yeah. selfish, very selfish. And, that, and, and by saying that, that tells just by saying it, he's not a captain because captains are selfish. Yeah, you, I mean you've gone on record with Maguire many times. So, um, yeah, I've just. <clears throat> Mike was just asking about the um, the keen comment in there. Girish asks, I hope I pronounced that right, about the future of Eric Bay and, and Van der Beek. You would probably guess that those two players are prime candidates to be moved on in the January window, right? Yeah, I'm, I'm, I feel sorry for um, Van der Beek, to be perfectly honest. And every time he's had to play, he's had to, he would have to, it seems like he felt he's had to play the game of his life. <coughs> Excuse me. Yeah, yeah. Every time, which is, which is unfair. You should be able to go in there and feel comfortable and in belief that you're going to get an opportunity to prove yourself. And Ollie's never done that for him. Never done that for him. I think Ollie has to look at his situation, what it was like for him, and see that you know he's playing career and understand. You know, maybe he might relate better to Van der Beek. I look at Eric Bay. Eric Bay, many opportunities. Wayne, to be perfectly honest, um, too soft. Too many injuries. Too, you know, and you look at some of the injuries he's got. Yeah, too, he calls by himself what he's done. No, just no, no patience. Just doesn't. Just every time, just bang, just diving in. Every time he, he went for a challenge, he was always going down. Uh, instead of people just wanted to see their centre half. The, I was about to say the number five, but they all wear different numbers now, don't they? Just see your centre half. You know, the backbone of your team, by the way, the centre half. Mm. Just bounce up, kind of thinking, cool, that hurt a bit. But just there, ready to go again. 
but he stayed down for ages and then he'd missed the next game. You know, he would turn around and say he should be playing. And, and in a certain way, I look at him and I think to myself, yeah, because there isn't many, we can remember some ridiculous challenges he's put in and what he's gone and done. It's cost goals, got himself sent off, silly bookings. But he hasn't helped himself in the way he's gone about it to get a run in the team. Because he could have got a run in that team, but he, you know, he's always getting himself injured after missing games. Yourself, was it serious enough? Because it's just a twinge. Couldn't you try to start the game? See what happened next. Um, yeah. he, you know, so I really don't know. You know that he. I don't believe he's got a lot to complain about at this moment in time. I'm glad that he's kind of come up and said something now. It's a lot. It's a long, long. You know, it's been long awaited for him to speak up. To be perfectly honest about what's going on, and the game against Leicester City was taking him to speak up, and he had every right to speak up because, as everyone knows, Harry Maguire should never have been playing. Was it because it was at Leicester he felt he had to play? Because at the end of the day, I mean, we know that Harry Maguire got laughed at by Leicester fans because of his performance, and they was mostly so pleased what they got in return, really, off of that performance. Yeah, no, yeah, I think you're right. Um, the thing with uh, with Bai is that. He's, he don't know. He's just a liability, and I don't mean that in terms of he's he's obviously got a lot of talent in terms of a centre back, but he can hurt himself or someone else. There's, there's been occasions where was it Chelsea where he flicked the ball up and handballed it in in the box just yeah. under no danger. So there's things like that, and I don't. Yeah, I think he and Van der Beek. In fact, I think there are a few players like that, like Martial, who you would probably look at and think. A club like Newcastle have got money. Um, they might even force a, a buyer's market for, for these players. Well, let's put this way. You mentioned Newcastle, Martial. You've got Martial, a team, you know, one biggest club in the world, and you've got a massive point to prove, and you just about get just about ambling through it, and you're sending Newcastle fighting relegation. I don't think you need Martial, to be no. perfectly honest. No, if, you, if, you, if you've been watching Manchester United, and you're a Newcastle fan, and you've got a choice of a player to come and play for you, and you end up with Martial. Don't think you'd be too happy, to be perfectly honest. And it's not well, seen. Of... Not after a few weeks, I think you might be when you yeah. sign it because you, you think you're signing the player that um, people think that he is. But um, yeah, very quickly you'd um, learn that he's probably not the player to um, <laughs> to be in a relegation fight. Um, but yeah, I, I, you don't know. I mean, Newcastle, Newcastle are one club. What I mean is, like, if they if they go in for a, a club like a player like Van der Beek, then it might force the other clubs because there's plenty of clubs around Europe who would take him. So it might force a, a buyer's market and um, a seller's market. But, but I do, yeah. But I do wonder, Wayne. I do wonder. I saw something earlier come up on the screen. <clears throat> who is doing the buying? Yeah. Who won? Who bought Van der? Who, who yeah. won and bought him? I really don't know. <clears throat> and whoever's gone and done it. Are they, are, they, are they still at the club or are they hiding their heads? Why aren't they shouting and saying, well, you know, you've got a player in there, why aren't you playing? If Ollie's decided that he liked him, why hasn't he played him? Because there's been enough poor performances by midfield players for him to warrant a three, four game opportunity to prove a point and build his way in slowly. I still believe he'll be an incredible link with with um, Fernandes. I really do. You know, I've seen him, I've seen him, to be perfectly honest, I've seen him, seen him live twice in Champions League in Holland and I saw him at White Hart Lane as well when he played there for Ajax and both games he was he was fabulous I must yeah. say 
Spurs played quite well as well, by the way, but a lot of those Dutch players, lot, you know, they were fantastic in that run that Tottenham had to yeah. the final. They played, he, he was in, he was absolutely incredible. He was. Yeah. Um, it was just it's just for me, it's a waste of a talented lad. Real waste at the moment. And I just hope if and when things, you know, he gets himself playing regularly that you know this he doesn't lose too much because he's a talent that's never really been used in the right way. I don't know how he's kept quiet, to be perfectly honest, and fair play to him for doing that. You know, you know, he's keeping his counsel very, very close to him. But, you know, I'm, I'm sure people will be trying to push him to come out and say something. Um, but I don't know if he, if he is one of those people, but what he's done so far has been incredible, really, how he's been treated. Sancho is on the verge of that as well. And the way he's been treated is just, it's phenomenal. Chased someone for 18 months common knowledge because there was not a lot to talk about football during that period of time and then you get him I think you go and pay well over the odds for him by the way great business by Dortmund I think they'll do exactly the same with Bellingham but Bellingham is a far better player than um, Sancho um, but if you're just mostly if you paid something you think yourself you got you got to play him yeah. it's amazing as much money as United got you were spending that 70 odd million you've got to you've got to use it Still an asset. You can't just have it sitting there dormant and making excuses for why he's not playing. The team ain't playing well, so he should be given the opportunity in the run. Yeah, who am I? Absolutely, who am I? But yeah, it's um, you're right. You're right. Obviously, I mean, I think the thing that like really baffles me is that the club aren't prudent enough to be so wasteful, and yeah, they have been. You know. Um, Ben comments about the owners. Surely the only long-term concerns they have is the earning of money, not building a football team. As you know, I went on a rant last week about this. Ben, you're right, um, and I wouldn't be surprised to see the protests start up again because what they've done in terms of like sort of floating, like taking um, the share um, options that they have done, and then making hundreds of millions of pounds on the backdrop of backdrop of firstly the protests and secondly the the um not buying a midfielder and everything like that and yet they've you know they've gone and, and saying that they were gonna improve the dialogue and they've gone and done stuff like this. You just what what is it to say about the owners it's just shameful. Uh well, let's talk about the um forthcoming games Paul quickly. Atalanta you talked about it a little bit earlier. Um Champions League group like you said it's definitely not easy <coughs> A place to go where we can take for granted, but the the group has turned around a little bit because of those late winners that we got. Um, they need to win this home game as much as we need to win the away game, and that will probably suit us in this situation, won't it? Because they're going to have to come out. We've seen that they're not up to much defensively, so if they've got to be more ambitious, you know, and United are fairly comfortable in those situations away from home, um, in spite of all the criticism. It should theoretically be a game that suits United um, as much as the Spurs one did. Yeah, I think you could go with that. Maybe a little, been a little bit tentative because you just don't know what you're going to get next at the moment. But you've got to remember, Atalanta are missing at least four key players. Yeah. In that game, so I don't know enough about them to come out and say what difference they would make. But you just know, you just one thing you do know, they'll be in a better place as a team pre-kickoff than what they were, you know, the last game, you know, post the last game. So, um. So there's still a, it's not going to be that, you know, what you think in that sense. I think they're quite wise to that fact of knowing the yeah, they got to come out. And, and we do know in certain ways that Italians, doesn't matter, doesn't matter, you know, what era it is, 
you know, they are still quite wily in the ma- in that manner of playing games, you know, of not giving too much away and going to nick goals. We saw that with their national team, you know, the way they played. And, you know, there, there is a way that, you know, those all Italian teams, they all play in the, in the same manner. No one's trying to outdo by different tactics. They're all still quite strong in a certain area. And that is counter-attacking, staying together as a unit defensively <clears throat> and knowing how to go and win games with when they matter, Atalanta know that three points is needed. They can't afford to lose, but you know, three, three points will take them a long way to get you know, for qualification as well. So it's a game that I'd be interested to watch the first half an hour is going to be quite important, really. If United were to go 2-0 down again, would they come back this time? I'd be very, very surprised. Mm. Um, City is obviously the one that everyone's looking at. Not in a, a good run of form themselves. Um, you know, um, Ben just puts a comment up here about the Atlanta game. In any pressurised game, we seem to start badly. Uh, that's fear for Atlanta. Yep, and, and it's going to be the same, the same against City because everyone's going to be looking at that, expecting or, or fearing, even fearing every every soul um, that's and a performance that's similar to the Liverpool one because it's all right saying that we went out and did well against Spurs, which we did. Um, I, I think I'm a bit more confident about the performance against Spurs than you are. But I would also say that I'm I'm not convinced that it means that we won't see a repeat of what we saw against Liverpool in any of the the coming games. We could easily see that, and it could easily happen against City. Um, City not on the kind of runner form that Liverpool were on. Do you know they've, they've had a, a little bit of a wobble lately? Um, so you would probably say it's the best kind of time to play a team like City when they um, when they're in that kind of a muddle. Um, but it's going to be a tough one, Paul, isn't it? It's going to be a really tough game, that. Yeah, it is, without a doubt. <clears throat> and it's going to be it's going to be very, very defensive. <clears throat> so I think, yes, he will go through at the back. I think we'll, you'll find this time it's going to end up five at the back because the, yeah. the wing-backs will be pushed right back. Yeah. You know, Luke Shaw will make it his um, objective to stop Maris, and he's going to have to do that by being back because he's going to be worried about going forward because of spacing behind him. And he can't afford to leave that space in behind him because Maguire on that side to it, it will be a massive problem. City at the moment, I saw him, I was at um, London Stadium when they played West Ham. And West Ham really worked them hard, really worked them. Um, didn't really allow them any, no golden opportunities at all, really. And anything they did have, the kid made a couple of saves, but <clears throat> they wasn't really, they didn't really pepper the goalkeepers as they normally do. Um but I think Ollie, what he's got to do in that game, he has to have his best players on the pitch. Yeah. Has to. Has to have his best players on the pitch. Can't go negative. Has to still look to win the game. Can't just sit back and because it's City, don't want to get beat. Because he'll be thinking before that game, he'll be thinking about his last home game against Liverpool. He's not going to want an embarrassment. He's certainly he's not going to want to get beaten. He's not going to want an embarrassment. So he's got he's be thinking himself, how can I stop this? So straight away we know the the McFred's going to be out there. We know that he's going to it's going to be defence orientated, hoping to hit on the counter. That's what he'll be looking at in that sense. I think now John Stones will play with Diaz now, won't he? Yeah. Because of the sending off now Laporte. Yeah. So um so they're going back to what their strength was last season with those two playing together. So they're not weak and they're everyone would talk about them not having a centre forward. I think that's a bigger concern for Manchester United. Yeah. Because I think because I think they like to be up. I just worry about 
definitely the likes of Maguire and um, Lindelof not having anyone up against them. I think it bothers them. I think they like to connect with somebody. So we, we wait and see. I think maybe more Harry Maguire, even because Lindelof, I look at bits of Lindelof and he had that experience of playing for Ben Beaker, where if anything, at the most in that league, they'd only have one striker up front and Bran used to it all day long and such in the way that football's played on the continent. But Harry Maguire, I think he likes to get up against people. He wants a physical battle. Yeah. And um, City, don't, City don't get set forward to have phys- physical battles. So mm. it'd be interesting if they go with a young lad. Um, the young boy played up front the other night. Please help me. I've forgotten his name. The young boy played up front. The new no, yeah, I know you mean. I can't think of his name um, either. But I know that he's I scoring a lot of goals. He's, I mean, but I watched him. Oh, blimey, I should know his name. I can, I can see him. Tall blonde. I thought it, um, but that's the problem. They tried all the other night to try and get him to score and score, and it didn't help. And in the end, it hindered them more trying to get him to score and then scoring themselves against West Ham. But the lad looks really, really a good player, by the way. The dominantly left footed, but the way he shifts the ball around, I must say, is that the keeper in goal, Ariola, made a great save his right leg when he's had a short back left shot from the edge of the box down to his right. That's as close as I think they come in scoring. So he might play him, and I think he should play him. He's a natural, natural centre forward and he'll shift. He moves all over the place. Everything in the mode, in the mode of what City are at this moment. So yes. I think we, I think the United fans have to put to bed that it's City, Oli's got them in his pocket scenario. It's going to be a tough game because just remember, Oli is scared to lose a game because he knows if he loses a game, the whole thing starts again. The magic roundabout starts again from when it was just after when the defeat to Liverpool come through. Uh, ben asks about Cavani starting, says surely he has to. And if you talked about the best players starting, but he talks about that setup and wanting to counter-attack. Um, do they, is it a Cavani-Ronaldo situation or does he have to put someone in with pace because it's, it's a tough one? Um well, that's a question for Paul, but Paul's dropped off there, unfortunately. But that, that was it for the podcast anyway, because um, we covered the main points and I'm sure Cavani situation will be uh, monitored in next week's podcast. Um, if you're watching live on YouTube, please give us a nice review. And, and Well, review, we can't do that on YouTube, but um, a nice rating and a thumbs up and a comment in the comment section. Um, if you're um, listening back on the um, Apple Podcasts, um, Give us a nice review and rating on there as well. We'll be back next week. Stay safe, stay well, and thanks for watching and listening. Away days are great, but there's nothing quite like playing at home. The same goes for McDonald's. Maximise your home ground advantage with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app. At participating restaurants, 18 plus, serving times, delivery fee, and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans.